I did that for you. Aww. That was the Marvelous Three yes. Freak of the Week. We just saw Marvelous Three in Atlanta, and it was amazing. Yes. So, oh, nice. Um, yes. That was that was great. Um, also, I always say when will this podcast <laughs> This is valid. This is true. <laughs> this is very on brand <laughs> for me. Welcome, everybody, to episode – this is going to blow your mind, Julia – episode 113. Oh, my God. We've done 113 of these. Of 223? Of ranking – well, not as many episodes as songs – because sometimes uh, we double up. Oh, yeah. That's like true. Like we're that's doing true. today. Like we are today. Yeah, it's episode 113 of Ranking the Beatles. Welcome, everybody. I am your host, Jonathan. Over here today to my right. What? As opposed to my left, like what? usual. It's Julia. How you doing, baby? I'm good. Good, good, good. I'm on the, the downswing of a little head cold. So that's if right. I sound a little nasally or scratchy, I apologize. Yes. I'm having some throat coat tea to hopefully help. But um, hopefully I don't cough into the mic a whole I lot. can always edit that out. <laughs> or I can tell you I'm going to edit it and then not edit it. Oh, that's that probably would be great. Thanks. I'm sure everyone <laughs> wants to listen to my coughing fits for the next hour. <laughs> that's what they're here for. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> coughing and, the Beatles. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and you are on my right today because we are set We are set up in a different formation than mm-hmm. usual because we have an in-person guest again. Yay! Yay! Y'all, our guest this week is a New Orleans-based musician, a bassist to be specific, uh, but you do play other stuff as well. Yes. Multi-instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, like me, she is a former member of the band Cowboy Mouth, holding down the low end for that band from 2004 to 2007, is that 2003 correct? 2003 oh, th- okay. and 2004 and then part of 2007. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, and you left shortly before I joined. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I, did you did we do a fill-in tour at like during Mardi Gras of 07, I did a two week thing that while Vance was s- out. I don't remember oh. if maybe you and Sonia did half and half. We did. We were splitting the yeah. job duties at that time. Yeah. The bass player position in that band is, it's like a hot pot. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot of people <laughs> touching it. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's also put out music on her own uh, with bands like Dingo 8 and her own solo projects. And she pops up on gigs all over New Orleans all the time with a whole manner of other folks. These days, she's also the bassist for 60s legends, The Councils. And we had Susan on this show like a year ago, I think. Yeah. Uh, friends, please welcome the wonderful Mary LeSang. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad I'm we got you here. Me too. Thanks yeah. for asking me. Yeah. Um, how have you been? How are things? How is life? Good. You know? Yeah. I love that we're out of the pandemic. I feel like I'm still coming out of that. Like yeah. trying to get out of the house and not be a hermit as sure. I really got in touch with my hermit inside. Oh yeah. Me too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I love being at home. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> a little too much. Yeah. Like I'm <laughs> such a homebody and it's like sometimes Jonathan will have shows and stuff and I'll just be like, no, I'll, I'll just stay home and I'll put on like soft clothes and pull up my little Kindle and I'm just happy as a clam, like curled yeah. up with two puppies, like reading a book. 
mm-hmm. and he comes home and I haven't moved. <laughs> that is like my favorite thing where I'm like, oh, did you, have you eaten? <laughs> have you? Maybe. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. But yeah, I love, I just love being at home. Like it's yeah. comfortable and cozy and, and I like our house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Us too. We moved into our new house the um a few months right before the pandemic shut mm-hmm. everything down so we were in a good spot yeah mm-hmm. we had a nice outside space so we can invite people over and just yep. like you know be safe outside yeah. so yeah. it was great yeah yeah and then and you're uh, just like i have everything i need here i don't need to leave yeah you're like i have the person i love most in the world right there mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i can have groceries brought to me now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> magic <laughs> technology i love it yeah speaking of technology it's a big week in beetle land uh now and then just dropped on yeah. Thursday. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much the only song I've listened to for the last 42, 48 hours. Wow. Um, Mary, as 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 a not obsessive Beatle fan like me, uh, have you heard it? <laughs> what do you think of it? What yeah, think I listened it? to it a few times. Yeah. And I have different feelings about it. Yeah. So I love that it exists. Sure. I think it's wonderful that there's something new after all these years. Mm-hmm. But it also made me be in touch with the fact, like, well, I want more. Yeah. Mm. It was a weird, it's so, it's like two, one unsettling feeling mm-hmm. about, like, well, is this going to be the last thing? Yeah. It's a weird thing. And it, I think it sounds, you know, I I love it. I love how they did it and that they did it. And I love the vocals in there. Um, I love the last two measures, how they ended it. Yeah, where it goes to that kind of like six eight yeah. kind of break. Yeah, it's I really love that. I love things like that, mm-hmm. like little ear candy that ends mm-hmm. things, and they they're so great at doing that. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, I I like it. I really like it. It's still growing on me. Yeah, it's one of those songs. There's a bunch of songs in my life that did that. They had to grow on me. Like yeah. losing my religion took years, and now oh, wow. I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is, this might be one of those, but it is really pretty. And I was mm-hmm. just playing it right before I left, and my wife heard it, and she was like, "Oh, is that the new Beatles song? That's great!" I'm yeah. Like, yeah. So she likes it. She's <laughs> nice. a fan right away. Nice. Yeah. I I do think it's interesting. You know, there was a lot of talk about because um, it was kind of a quick rollout. Like they announced it last week, uh, even though it like it had been kind of like bubbling in the ether for months of like it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Then it wasn't. Then it was disappeared. Then it was coming again. Uh, they just they like announced it on Friday and then the next Thursday it's out. And there was a lot of discussion I saw about like it seems like a really short, maybe, you know, too quick of a rollout. And I f- especially compared to like the Rolling Stones, who just had this months long campaign for this record they put out. And I almost think it's 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 perfect because it's just one song. If you'd like marketed for two, three months in advance that one song was coming out mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. that's re- you're gonna lose interest really fast, mm-hmm. and you're gonna be like, okay, cool, I heard it, great, I'm done. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I like maybe it's just me like being a nerd about it, but I do want more. <laughs> like yeah, you know, like there's like footage out of like them working on it together in '95 that like no one has seen. And I'm like, give me all that. <laughs> oh, you just found five hours of footage of it. Cool. Give me all five. Like, <laughs> don't edit it. Just let throw it in a Dropbox and send it to me. <laughs> so is that they ju- they just released it because they just figured out a way to separate the vocals and the piano? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because like the original demo, I think was like a a second or maybe third generation cassette dub of wow. John's original demo, and it's you know there's like a really nasty like sixty cycle hum going through it. <laughs> 
and like TV in the background and they did their best to try to cut it all out, but they could only do so much in 95. And with the new technology that Peter Jackson's crew did for the Get Back documentary, they're able to isolate it and separate vocal from guitar and, or vocal from bass and get rid of everything else and just then clean up the vocal. Um, so they'd started it in 95, but the limitations were so were still in place and just was so bad they couldn't get past it. So I think that's why they stopped for the most part. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And, you know, there's kind of this whole story. Uh, have you heard, like, the kind of deeper, like, now and then um, story about the history of it? No. So Paul was doing a song, um, like, a year after John died with Carl Perkins. And um, Carl Perkins was doing this record with a bunch of different guests on it. And Paul was down there with Linda. <clears throat> and he got like inspired and Carl Perkins wrote this song like for Paul, like thanking him for doing this and for always kind of championing, championing, championing. championing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and for the Beatles having championed him and kind of country music back in the sixties. And the last line of the song is think about me now and then, or think about me every now and then old friend. And as he played that for Paul, Paul apparently just started crying and got up and left the room and Carl Perkins turns to Linda and goes, my God, what, 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 what happened? What did I do? And Linda said something to the extent of like, how did you know about that? And she said, what are you talking about? And she said, the last thing that John told Paul, the last time they talked was think about me every now and then old friend. No. Wow. So Paul's never publicly owned up to this story, but Carl Perkins has documented it on like multiple occasions. And so that's always been kind of, the deeper history is apparently the tape that Yoko gave Paul with these demos had in John's handwriting for Paul. Now, whether the idea was for songs to work on with Paul or I wrote these songs about Paul or especially with this one, which seems to be a very deep uh, conversation with somebody, mm -hmm. whether it's romantic or platonic friendship. Um, that's a lot of the big discussion about it. And, when they stopped working on it, Paul has always said for years, well, there's one other that we never finished, and I really want to try to finish it. So it mm -hmm. seems to have been really important to him for the last 30 years mm -hmm. to finish this song. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think it's really like a labor of love. It's really a cool, mm -hmm. uh, I think, uh, not, a, not a footnote, but a cool, uh, you know, neat way to tie up. A lot mm -hmm. of that, I think, is mm -hmm. there, there's a lot of emotional baggage with that song. And I think it feels like it's got a lot of weight to it. So, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Oh, that's such a lovely story. Yeah. I have it an is. idea about all of yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think about it? Now, you've you've heard it now a, a number of times. <laughs> yes, a number of times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. I was going to say once, but then you made me watch the video. So twice. <laughs> that's it? There's that's it. Okay. I don't. I've been busy, man. We were on vacation. I had to catch up on work. Yeah, true. Okay. <laughs> Cut me some slack. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are your first um, impressions? I think it's lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, like a little bit of me wished it was like something a little more upbeat. Sure. But like mm -hmm. it's really a lovely song. It's beautiful. And, and I like that they didn't like I know – you know, using AI is like a big scary thing mm -hmm. for a lot of people, especially like our age and older, like hearing, getting technology involved in something is a little, like we always get like, oh, is it going to be too much, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I, it doesn't feel like overdone. Like I like that they used Paul's current voice. Like it sounds like Paul now, yeah. you know, yeah. like it was, 
it's old John because he is a capsule. He is yeah, he only eternally thirty seven or thirty eight yeah. on that song. Um, yeah. but like it doesn't sound like processed. It just it really sounds like they just pulled like scooped his voice out of that tape and like mm-hmm. plopped it right on this record. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, it doesn't sound too like technology affected. Right. I guess. Right. Um. Yeah. It's really lovely. Beautiful I was wondering song. about the um guitar solo. Mm-hmm. So. Was that where? Who was that? Was that so just that's, that's Paul? It uh, is Paul in '95 when they worked on it. George had only recorded rhythm guitar tracks. Yeah, okay. He did acoustic and electric rhythm. Um, so Paul did a slide solo as kind of an homage to George. Um, and he's not the slide player that George is, obviously, but like that's okay. George is just a very different player. But I think it's it's cool. It serves the purpose. It's nice. I, yeah. I enjoy it. I think mm-hmm. it's a good move. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's all very sweet. It really, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's had me, uh, you know, like perma smiling for like three days, which is great. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I think is so great is that I know what it does for the f- fanatics. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like wow, this is another chance to hear something new from possibly your favorite band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Which is it's wild. Like, that's amazing, especially like for a band that broke up. You know, tw- t- I don't know. 10 years before I was born. Wow. Is that right? Yeah, they broke up in the 70s. I was born in 81. So 11 years before I was born. Uh, you know, John Lennon was already gone when I was born. Wow. So, like, even in 95 when the anthology came out, I was, like, glued to the TV <laughs> when they premiered it with, like, anticipation of, like, oh, my God, new Beatles music. Yeah. This is amazing. I never thought that would happen again, especially 30-odd years later. Like, mm-hmm. this is awesome, you know? It's a it's a it's a fun time to be uh, a fan. There's so mm-hmm. much cool stuff happening. Like between Get Back, which that came, what, was that last year or the year before. Oh God. I think it was the year before. I think it was 2021. No. Time is so weird now. Yeah, I, have no <laughs> I don't yeah. even know. It is. I think it's 21. Uh, yeah, you had that, and now you've got this, and the um, the Mal Evans book is coming out. Like, there's so much cool stuff happening. So, it's fun times to be a to be a Beatle fan. Um, where did the Beatles first enter kind of the picture for you, Mary? Like, do you remember your first exposure to the Beatles? This is going to sound crazy. But so, you know, I grew up in Thibodeau, not exactly a musical metropolis, although there sure. are some great musicians oh, from yeah. Thibodeau. For sure. But um, my exposure to music came from my dad's little radio in his bathroom when we would get up in the morning and get dressed. Mm-hmm. And he would just have WBYU which had <laughs> Elvis and the Beatles and that's where I heard the cow souls. Oh nice. <laughs> so I was getting an introduction to like all the songs that were probably from the 50s more than um and 60s mm-hmm. and so this was like when I'm getting dressed in the morning like in the 70s so it's a little bit late but that's fine I still I would act like I was fussing about it but I really did like a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think my introduction was that I would hear these songs and every time I would just ask my dad, well, who's that? Who's that? I was always interested in who was doing, you know, the names of the bands. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of a band that was always around. There was always their music, always on TV. Everybody had different versions of it. I heard it all the time. And then, like, as far as it affecting me, it I have to say that the, the way it really started affecting me is with Paul McCartney and Wings. Really? Yes. Nice. I, I that really I was like wow who is this I, like 
that was my first real like fanaticism yeah. about one of the Beatles was Paul McCartney and it was with Wings because those songs are so just huge. They're like rock operas mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. as a, I loved rock operas as a kid and that's what really made me start playing music was all was Jesus Christ Superstar and Tommy and all that. I loved all of that. And so I thought Wings had all of that. So I loved all of that. The, mm -hmm. the, those songs, Live and Let Die, I mean, you know, yeah. any, any any of those were just fantastic to me. That made me then go back, well, let me see what he was doing in the Beatles. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I mean, like when he was like, let's see what he did before when he was like a kid. <laughs> <laughs> now that he's mature, it's right. great. But let's see. Yeah, exactly. Normally don't like people's early stuff. It seems, you know, unfin unfinished, but that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. Pretty decent. Yeah. yeah. So I loved him. I loved yeah. that his wife played in his band. Yeah. I thought that was cute. Yeah. So as a kid coming up, I was like, well, look at this. This is really cute. I love the way he played the bass. And I think that kind of made an imprint on me. I wasn't playing bass then. That was kind of like my last instrument that I settled on because I'm, and then once I played, I was like, oh, this is exactly what I want to do in a band. Yeah. It's not drums. It's, but it's in there with the drums and also playing off the melody. And that's what, Paul McCartney does is he is there as in the rhythm section he's half the rhythm section but then also he plays around with the melody mm -hmm. and does a little bit more like than just holding down the one in the five you know what yeah. I mean yeah so I love that he has great melodies in his oh, lines yeah. yeah the uh there's like a 12 minute documentary they put out on Wednesday about the creation of now and then and it shows kind of a bit of Paul working on his bass part for it and the song, like the demo had been floating, floating around the ether for years. So like I knew of the song and I knew like kind of how it went and I knew the progression of it. Um, and it's like a basic, like a minor to E minor verse mm -hmm. thing. And when they showed Paul play it and he starts on the A minor and then he moves to G, I was like, I didn't see that coming. You got me yeah. son of a bitch. I thought you were going to go to E like everybody else did, but no, you go to G just cause that's where you start. Mm -hmm. And he just does this nice little walk out of it. And I'm like, God, he's just, He's so good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's so good. He is. He plays with that root note. Yeah. He plays with it. He makes you like he wait. You you have to wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I think it, yeah. Yes, yeah, a great. G. Very surprising. <laughs> <laughs> you did not see that coming. Mm. <laughs> what? Sorry, y'all. Not a musician, so I like to That's make okay. jokes. So, yeah. That's okay. Uh, what? Was the, what 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 were the other artists that you were into growing up that kind of had a an, imp, an imprint on you? So really, like rock operas. When I was learning how to play, um, the first instrument I was playing, my brother had this little toy organ in his room, mm -hmm. and he wasn't using it. And I found it when I was like five, and I dragged it to my room, <laughs> and I put a blank, blanket over me like a fort, and I I had it for a <laughs> couple of weeks before somebody caught me playing it, but. No one, no one cared. They were very supportive. Um, and I was playing <laughs> two things I was playing. One was trying to figure out, like, just some songs I knew. And I was young at the time, so, you know, what are you exposed to? There was church songs. And I remember playing some church songs. <laughs> <laughs> Taste and see exactly. the goodness of the And I'm Lord. just kind of like, oh, okay, and just trying to figure it out. Yeah. And whatever else. And then, like, as I moved on and, like, was really playing, it was the rock operas. It was Jesus Christ Superstar. And I had a really good um, teacher at the time. And listen to me. Like, okay, she 
clearly music speaks to her. Let's feel, you know, and he came to me instead of like making me play with it. His, his, he stressed keeping me passionate about it rather than like my form, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because I don't have the the best form or the best of anything. But he was like, well, she's got a good ear and she has passion. Let me keep. So he would ask me what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to do Jesus Christ Superstar. So I bought the <laughs> book and I learned all the songs from Jesus Christ Superstar. Wow. And he just kept me rolling with that. Like, what else do you hear on the radio? And I'd tell him and he'd buy. I remember having this book of like 40 pop songs at the time with the Carpenters on it. Mm-hmm. Different things on it. that Neil Diamond. I loved all that. And then when I, the first music that really, that I bought actually my brother bought it for me i was probably like 12 or 13 and he came home with the b-52s i thought my head was gonna pop yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh and i used i had this little craig tape recorder you know push buttons four buttons on it Mm -hmm. Uh and i would put it was by my bed and i would go to sleep to the b-52s it would play half the cassette and then i'd turn it over and then like go to sleep to the second half so b-52s were in there now where does that you know it's like because that's all like ear candy mm-hmm. and I love ear candy and I always have. And I feel like Paul McCartney, the wings had a lot of ear candy, whether mm-hmm. it was just the backup vocals or the instruments going on. Yeah. And I think the Beatles have that too. Yeah, for sure. I've always been attracted to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a lot of their stuff, I think that, that I always find like really interesting, not just the musical ear candy, but like the weird asides that you hear and like we'll talk about it in when we talk about sergeant pepper's reprise Mm -hmm. is there's all kinds of that stuff throughout that track you know like you get that kind of start of like the one two three Uh and then john's like bye just kind of like creeps on the mic and then there's like random little things being said on mic under the music that if you have on headphones you're like what the hell are they what's happening what are they talking about (laughs) like i love stuff like that because it just lets you envision like what are they doing when they're recording this? Like, what is that scenario? Like, what does that scene look like? You know, mm-hmm. that just makes it so much more immersive mm-hmm. as a listener in your head. You just try to envisioning, you know, what are they doing? Oh, that's, that seems so cool. Oh my god. Yeah, they kept the fun in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like that in a song. Yeah, and in music, which is B fifty twos for me. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. all fun. Oh yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine like, or I can't imagine. You said you were falling asleep to the B fifty two. I was. Wild. I had it so. That Fred Schneider sing you to sleep. <laughs> the second half of the cassette, I could barely listen to because I was already asleep by the middle of the second cassette. Yeah. yeah. Is it like a Pavlovian response now? Like, if you put that record on, do you immediately fall asleep? <laughs> no, you should test it. I should. <laughs> like should one it. day when you're like, mm, I can have a nap. Let's put on the B fifty two and see what happens. <laughs> I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always wonder about stuff like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can imagine like listening to like the Carpenters and then like the B-52s come out and you're like, holy shit. Exactly. <laughs> My brain just, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is this? <laughs> it was, you know, and plus I think their music is really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can be really good and have like a lot of fun and, and not be, take yourself so yeah. seriously. Yes. Yeah. I really like that. That was that mm-hmm. the lesson they taught me. And I was like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think Paul does a lot of that too. Like he takes, like he takes his music very seriously, and that he's very good at it, and he's very intentional. Yeah. But he has a lot of fun with it. I mm-hmm. mean, there's like some really silly stuff. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even into like his solo and wings. Era, All of them are like, like that. Like, yeah. That was kind of always their mo. Was like they were serious about the work, but everything else surrounding it was just there to be played with. Was just part mm-hmm. of the fun. Yeah. Of 
you know, having that job, you know, like you watch them in interviews and they're just being total sarcastic assholes and it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, even with the video they put out for now and then, there's just a ton of footage of them being goofy as hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's weird and it's fun because that's how they did that, you know, and uh, it, it, those are the things, those are kind of, I think that's the other side of the coin of what made me want to be a musician is like, it looked it, it seems amazing to get to make music and mm -hmm. to rec make to write songs and make records and play shows. That's awesome. But to also get to have that much of a good time doing it mm -hmm. seemed like that's the way to go. That's mm -hmm. what I want to do. You know, I always enjoyed the hell out of that side of it. I remember one thing I, I read was that Paul McCartney would like take his bass lines very seriously mm -hmm. and wouldn't leave until he felt it was absolutely right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I like I really like his bass lines. I think they are they are very well thought out and they play around like I said with the melody. They play around they're definitely rooted in the rhythm. So I like that. But he's he's doing a lot with the melody mm -hmm. and also on the fret they always his lines always make sense fret wise mm -hmm. to me. So like when I'm trying to figure out one of it, I like to like learn some of his stuff just to like, you know, it's him. So sure. he, can, he can teach me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it makes sense on the fret. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, look at like this. Like the way your fingers move. Yep. You're like, oh. You're not like, you know, getting yeah. contorted. It's like, oh, no, it's, it's easier than, you know. Interesting. Uh -huh. It's like it's so natural to him. Mm -hmm. And it seems so comp. Remember uh when Dave Grohl did that Sound City documentary a few years ago, mm -hmm. did you ever see that? Mm -hmm. And they put out a record with it, and he did a song with uh, Chris Novoselic and Pat Smear and Dave Grohl and Paul McCartney. And they showed up. They had nothing written. They just came up with a song in like five hours and made a record. And <laughs> that's cool. as you, you do, know, whatever. Like, yeah. Paul shows up with like a cigar box guitar that he just happened to have gotten, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, okay, I guess we'll figure this out." And within like two hours, they have a song. And there's this great clip at the end where Dave Grohl asks McCartney, he's like, why can't it always be this easy? And Paul just goes, it is. <laughs> like, like, it is this easy. You're just overthinking this shit. Like, it's true. You have to get out of the way sometimes. Yeah. And like, or also just be a complete and utter genius like Paul McCartney. Yeah. Well, and that's always easy. I mean, yes. you know. It's very like, helpful. Yeah. 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 <laughs> For sure. Well, I, you know, and I think, you know, that's one of the things that I think is becoming one of the more enduring aspects of Paul is like he's put out so much music now at this point. And at the time, a lot of it would get, you know, kind of trashed for not being Abbey Road or not mm -hmm. being Sgt. Pepper. You'd get some really simplistic, you know, nonsensical kind of things that when you first hear it, you're like, oh, this is not what I expected. You know, you're better than this. You should be writing more amazing stuff than Bip Bop or, uh, you know, Big Barn Bed or like any of the early wing stuff that kind of gets, you know, shit on a lot. But like, it's really good. Like when you think about it, you're like, okay, this is just like the stuff that he tosses off for fun because music is fun. Mm -hmm. And like, he's letting people know, like, it's okay to have fun. It doesn't always have to be Sergeant Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band. It can be, why don't we do it in the road? Or it can be temporary Her Secretary. Majesty or Temporary Secretary. <laughs> like any number of like, it just it have fun. Like you play music. It's an act of play. Like you should enjoy it. Isn't that the whole point of silly love songs? Yes. That's yes. the whole point yes. of it. Yep. When I was a kid, I'm jumping around singing to that yeah. because it's great. Oh, it's just, it's great. Yeah. So great. And people though, you know, I heard a lot of, you know, 
people criticizing it. I'm like, oh, for mm, sure. Well, but I wasn't it. that the whole point of the song? He's like, yeah, I know you're going to come at me for this, but you know what? It's going to be in your brain for the next five months. That was okay. <laughs> with the it. best like, thing when we did, um, <laughs> we, we did a show for McCartney's 80th birthday the other year with the Walrus, and we learned silly love songs. Oh. The arrangement is really weird because common music, musician sense would tell you. You don't repeat the chorus like eight times, mm-hmm. but he does it like eight times. And it and then there's like a coda with another chorus at the end just because. And it's almost like he's trolling you because he's like, I know this chorus is so good. And I know this horn line is so good. And I know this verse melody is so good. I'm going to do it all entirely too many times to where like it almost seems inappropriate. <laughs> But you're going to it's it's I'm just drilling this into your head because it's that good. Mm -hmm. And like the four of us were kind of like, you know, this is mean. (laughs) It should not be (laughs) legal to be this talented and write things this catchy and then put them this many times in a pop song. And what what a singable bass line. Oh, my God. It's so cool. It's It's great. So cool. Like, perfect. Oh, God. That dude. (laughs) This man. Yeah. (laughs) Why is he like this? (laughs) (laughs) Why you be like this, Paul? Why are you like this? And also, you know, he can also play drums and guitar uh, upside down. Um, Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He can play literally everything. So, yeah. Well, let's let's turn the page and start talking about songs this week because we haven't done a twofer episode in a hot minute. It's been a minute. so I'm excited about it because it's, it's always fun to do. And they're, they're two very different sides of the coin of, uh, of Beatle time. So, friends, coming in this week at number 103 is You're Going to Lose That Girl. You're gonna lose that yes, girl. Yes, yes, you're gonna lose that girl. You're gonna lose, yes, yes, you're gonna that, lose girl. that girl. If you don't take her out tonight, she's gonna change she's her mind. Gonna In 1965 interview with Melody Maker, John Lennon said that he had only written, quote, about a half a song for the band's next film, which was slated to begin filming in February. Uh, it would seem at some point between that interview and when the band left for the Bahamas to start shooting on February 20th, he, Paul, and George must have found some time to knock out some songs because they managed to record 11 songs in that time frame for consideration in the film. No big deal. 11 songs. <laughs> Uh, now, the last of the songs that they worked on, You're Going to Lose That Girl, was recorded February 19th. The band spent the first bit of their session re- uh, rehearsing the song, and it only took them two takes to get a keeper. Uh, take one is actually announced on the tape as take two, and the second attempt, take three, uh, was the successful master take. It features John on acoustic guitar, Paul on bass, George on electric, and Ringo on drums, with John, Paul, and George recording their vocals live during tracking. Uh, after getting the successful take, John then double tracks his lead vocal. George adds a guitar solo. Paul adds a piano part. 
So the track is considered done, and several passes at mixing are then undertaken while the band is away filming, but they must have felt they could do something better because on March 30th, back in London at EMI Studios, they decide to redo some overdubs, including now a bongo overdub from Ringo, a new guitar solo from George, and possibly a new piano track from Paul as well. The song is released on the Help album in August of 1965 on both the UK and US versions of the record, and it's prominently featured in the band's second film, also titled Help, in a beautifully filmed scene in which the band are shown recording the song in a studio during a break from being chased by cult members trying to retrieve a sacrificial ring from Ringo's hand. Yeah. As you do. The problems you encounter <laughs> with celebrity. Uh, it was never performed live by the band, however, nor any of its members. So, why do I have You're Gonna Lose That Girl at 103? I have always had a real affinity for this song. Even before I saw the movie Help, uh, this song just kind of grabbed me for some reason. Help was the first album I ever got on CD, and I was still discovering the Beatles catalog at that point. I really love how it just kind of starts off with this raspy, unaccompanied John vocal at the top. It just kind of grabs you like right by the throat from the get-go. Um, I've always really thought that the call-and-response vocal on this song is such a hallmark of early Beatle pop songs. And while certainly they do it on songs before this one, I almost feel like it's never tighter than it is on this song. Uh, George and Paul are vocally both in these real sweet spots that let them really lock into each other. And it's also incredibly charming uh, how scouts they sound in their pronunciation of the word girl, where they say girl. I always found that just really funny. Uh, <laughs> lyrically, I've always found the idea of this to be really interesting. It's kind of a threat to steal someone's girl, but almost in a friendly way, which is kind of weird, but also kind of charming. Uh, the key change in the bridge, <laughs> such a cool lift to the song. And the Beatles don't do a ton of key changes, so it's, it's a nice moment for them. It really changes the mode of it a bit, and it's a super effective move, uh, as evidenced by the fact that they do it twice in the song. Uh, I think you also have to call out uh, this song seen in the movie is probably one of the first real seeds of the modern music video. It's a beautifully shot bit of film. The colors are absolutely gorgeous. The backlighting, the side profiles, the smoke everywhere. It's just a gorgeous bit of filmmaking that really makes this song stand out. Uh, overall, I think it's probably one of the more polished and mature performances on the Help album. And the band is really firing on all cylinders as a recording unit here. Even though it's still kind of a standard relationship type song, you can really see the growth in the writing, and in the tightness they have as a band here. So them's my two cents. Mary, I throw it to you. What do you think? <laughs> I feel like the, what stood out to me in this song are the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And from what perception, like I wanted to ask you about, like it starts off with he says, you're going to lose that girl. Yes, yes, you're going to lose that girl. That's, you know, love that. And then he, he changes it quickly to this doubt. Well, if you don't take her out tonight, I'm, she's going to change her mind. Mm -hmm. So is that him? You know, is he fighting with this cognitive dissonance in his head? Oh, yeah. Or is it two people? Yeah. So like there's I didn't know how to take that. But I just I I thought that that was interesting that it was such he delivers. You're going to lose that girl. Or they deliver. It's, it's sort. I, th I guess I think it is an outside source or maybe he's looking in the mirror you're gonna lose that girl unless yeah. you start treating her right mm -hmm. she's gonna change her mind yeah. oh wait are you saying that he's like singing it to himself i have to Sir wonder he could be because john's a very internalized person is it with, him and he has all those the... demons in his head and yeah. those voices or and they go along with him meaning 
that the two backup singers, well, I guess it's Paul and George, mm-hmm. they're just repeating what he says, and they're just trying to say, look, <gasps> she is, she's going to change her mind. And then he says, I'll, um, I'll, take her out, I'll take her out tonight, and I will treat her kind. And they say, I'm going to treat her kind. So, like, are they just, <gasps> you know, like, that, I thought the lyrics were very interesting. Listeners, yeah. you can't see this, but my jaw is on the floor. <laughs> I am like, <laughs> mind blown. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. Oh my God. Yeah. I love it when this happens. When someone comes in with a completely different perspective, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> no, it's interesting because, like, I think a lot of people think about these songs as, like, oh, they're just things that the Beatles tossed off because they had to get a lot, you know, 14 songs per album. Um, but, you know, you can attest as a songwriter, there's almost always a seed of reality mm-hmm. in something. Even if you mask it in a story or a character or whatever, um, there's, al- there's almost always something that is real. Um, and maybe John's thinking about someone else who's he's, you know, telling, you know, maybe it's an actual st- other person he's mm-hmm. talking to. But maybe it is himself. You know, it's very possible. He was not always the greatest husband to Cynthia. He was not the most faithful partner. But he also was very in love with her and very dependent on her. And mm-hmm. I think he knew his own weaknesses and battled with those weaknesses. Maybe it is a kind of an internal pep talk. I think that's a really interesting uh, approach to that. Yeah, that's why I can't help but see that there's just two. There's one person that's really confident, and then there's another that's full of self doubt. Oh, that's John to a T. Mm-hmm. That's the two sides of John <laughs> Lennon to a T. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I want to go back and listen to it with like completely different ears now. Yeah. I'm like, wait, hold on. Let me Google the lyrics really quick. Mm-hmm. So I can like look like I want to like, yeah, amazing. Go on. And then there's another. He also throws in there. It's weird because, okay, you're going to lose that girl. But then he's like, well, if you don't treat her right, my friend, you're going to find her gone. And then I'm going to swoop in. Where's it's it's what does he say? If you don't take her, not, well, let me let me find it. And I will treat her kind. I'm gonna treat her kind. He's kind of like threatened. Like so, who's he threatening? Yeah. Is it a second person, or is it, you know, can he just not integrate those two thoughts of being the bad boyfriend versus no, I can have a meaningful and deep relationship with one person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it a polygamy battle versus monogamy? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of conflicts going on yeah. inside this guy's head. I've never thought yeah. about, th- about this particular song like that. That's wild. Oh my yeah. gosh! I like to analyze. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I love it. laughs> Musically, what do you think? Um, so one of the interesting things, the bongos stood. I'm out so to impressed me. by the notes that you've shown up here with. <laughs> I never see what our what our I guests like have written down or don't have written down, and like I, you have like a stack of paper. I'm so excited. I, about I wanted. To, I was listening, and as I was listening to the songs, I would like just type out some notes and stuff. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure like I wouldn't blank out when I'm right. sitting here. <laughs> but one of the things that stood out with the music is the is the bongos. Mm-hmm. So the song I think wants to be this laid back, almost like a Latin kind of feel. You're going to lose that. And it's all nice and happy. You know, it's just really happy. But the bongos say no. They are eight yeah. notes and they're just frantic through the yeah. whole thing. So like, no, you better not take it easy because you know what's going to happen? You're going to lose that girl. Yeah. So like a good oh. sonic description yes. of the entire song. Mm-hmm. Huh. It does add like a lot of intensity. Yeah. Yeah. It adds and at the end, he kind of goes to like this like, like 
this like triplet like come on kind of thing you know yeah i thought that was interesting my headphones fell off sorry <laughs> i got really intense got there. real intense about yeah, the bongos oh the bounty bounty guitar solo yeah bounty 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 I was like, oh, is that a technical term? What does that mean? Yes. It's, it's, it's like the, like a diddly dee and a biddly boo. <laughs> Wheelie deedly. Deedly deedly doo. I like how sometimes y'all are just like big nerds about stuff and you're like just like very technical things and sometimes you're like, mm, it's good biddly beep. <laughs> we could use a bounty bounty solo in there. You get, if you start with the bounty bounty, you can go to the beetle bees, but you got to end with the fiddle doos. Oh, wow! Is that a rule? Yes. Is that hard and Typically, yeah. it's a, a, a rule do. of rock. Fiddle do. <laughs> takes you somewhere else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to save the squeeze for the end. Squeeze. <laughs> That's how you like end a solo with a nice squeeze. <laughs> you guys are a mess. <laughs> oh, I love it. Sorry. Go on. Continue. <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I like the the key change is nice. Yeah, yeah. It's they, like, always never nice. do key changes too. They're not a key change band. I didn't realize that you said that earlier. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this was something Andre and I were discussing not long ago. Like they don't do a ton of key changes. Like off the top of my head, I I can't think of one like quickly. And before that, in music, that was like one of the tricks. Yes. Well, we don't have another verse in course. Let's key change. Key change <laughs> for <laughs> emphasis. What song yep. by Johnny Cash just has like five key changes in it? Um, oh, God, yeah. Uh, I can't remember, but I know they're talking about where it just keeps changing keys. Uh-huh. Sorry, I should have. Yeah, of course, one in five. Yeah, it goes like that. Yeah, that's That's a Johnny Cash thing. Don't you, don't Yeah, yeah. That's a good country term. Don't you, don't Not to be confused with the drums, which is Pat, Pat Boone, Pat Boone, Debbie Boone. I heard that one. That's great. You can't learn in school. Yeah. Get out there and learn them on your own. Learn them on the road. Amazing. Amazing. <sighs> Anything else? That's the notes I have about the okay. about the music in the song. But um, yeah, I think the bongos added a lot yeah. of, of like complication in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, agreed. What are you thinking, Julia? Um, first off, as an anxious travel packer, the fact that they were leaving February twentieth and he was in the studio the day before <laughs> was like literally took my breath away. I was just like, <gasps> I can't deal. You think they were doing their own packing? No. Do, you, do they? No. Do they have people? They had like a assistant or like a housekeeper, or maybe Cynthia packed for him. I don't know. I don't think John was rushing home to like pack a two week suitcase to go to the Bahamas to film. Okay, <laughs> whatever you say. It's Odds are, Mile Evans was going around and packing Aww. clothes, or they were just shipping clothes there anyway. Or just for buying them. new stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah. They probably just bought stuff. Well, they were filming. They were filming, so, so they all their wardrobe. wardrobes there. Yeah. But, but I'm they sure they're like chill clothes. They need their soft clothes. They didn't wear soft clothes. That's the wild thing. Like yeah. it was always like. Okay, sorry, not soft clothes, but like they're chill clothes. Like they're non-working. They're clothes. casual suits. They're, they're casual wear. <laughs> How about beachwear? They're beachwear. That was. Do they have beachwear in England? V- very like, short. Brits have beachwear. Very short shorts. Yeah. Little Elvis yeah. suits. Yep. Oh, so cute. Showing that thigh meat. Eight pasty white thighs. <laughs> Four dark mops of hair and eight pasty white thighs, baby. 
going um, to the Bahamas to film because you've never been to the Bahamas. That sounds cool. Let's do that. I mean, isn't that what, like, what is it? Adam Sandler does that? Yep. Is it Adam that's Sandler? the Sandler move. He's like, oh, I want to go to France. I want to film a movie, movie with all my France. friends in uh, Australia. Yeah, let's, let's write a it. movie there. <laughs> sounds fun. That's how it works. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that there was, that they wrote like 11 songs and that, like, from the beginning of January. Did all, were all of those, like, recorded and put on albums uh they ended up on the help album yeah wow 11 of the songs ended up or 11 songs those 11 songs that were recorded i believe well no i think there's one at least one that did not end up on a record okay so the vast but majority. still yeah just like just a whole album yeah and like less than a month just like here yeah. here you know just spitting it out yeah just like that's fine yeah <laughs> It is fine. God. You know? Wow. Just okay. a, little, a little ticket to ride, anybody. Yeah. No what big else? deal. Whatever. <laughs> um, I, I like the sentiment of the song, despite some um, not great track records with treating her right. Sure. Um, but now I'm like mind blown by Mary's thought of like, it's it's actually him like talking to himself. And I'm like, well, that makes a lot more sense now. Mm-hmm. I think I might be on board with that. Is it him I'm or gonna, is it someone yeah. else? Someone else telling him that? Yeah. Which is like it's a loud voice. I'm also yeah. on board with that sentiment because like he needed to hear it. Yeah, for sure. But at least I don't know. Maybe he was a little self aware and he was like, "Listen, mm-hmm. buddy, get your shit together." Yeah, <laughs> that's very possible. And you know, he tried. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes he was less successful. Um, but we're all imperfect humans. We are all yeah. imperfect humans. Um, I think this is a really good song to sing in the car because, okay. um, like alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm certainly not going to attempt those, like the, the ooze and lose the, the mm-hmm. high. Yeah. For anyone else to hear. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's like a fun car sing along song yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think his voice sounds really great on this song too. Yeah. I've always thought mm-hmm. this is like one of his better vocal performances. Like, it's it, there's there's rasp in, in the right places, but then his falsetto is really sweet there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's strained. Like a lot of times, because they were playing so much and working so much those first couple years, there are some songs where like his voice is real ragged, just because he's mm-hmm. been singing a lot, and he didn't necessarily take care of it all that well. Uh, I mean, they were all you know heavy heavy smokers. Um, but it just sounds so good there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's one of those things like that's like a, a classic John Lennon vocal for me yeah. mm-hmm. is this song. Yeah. It's in a sweet spot in his head voice. Mm-hmm. It's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the ooze. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah. They're, I mean, they're very high and like I I can't do that. I mean, I can try in my car by myself. Yeah. But I'm not going to hit it because I'm not a singer. <laughs> but it's fun to try. You should keep trying. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I, I'll always sing in the car by myself. I don't care who can see me. I think it's fun. Yeah. yeah. It's the best place to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you uh, seen the, the Help movie before? I have not. Ooh. I know. I would recommend. You can at least find the video for this song on the internet. Um I think it's on Vimeo as opposed to YouTube because, you know, internet. Um, but it's such a beautifully shot thing. You know, it, it's a scene of them like in a studio recording in ways you don't actually record. Like it's set up well for a film, you know, like mm-hmm. um, and it's like darkly lit 
everything's kind of backlit and Ringo's just smoking the whole time. So there's smoke <laughs> everywhere. Um, but it's always, it's very like soft lighting. Um, everyone looks super cool. It's just like one of the best looking performance videos you've ever seen. It's like a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of cinema. I'm going to go look at that. I recommend checking it out. Yeah. So at 103 out of 223 Beatles songs, does that seem ballparkish? Like you'd maybe have it there? Or does it seem too high, too low? Hmm. It's definitely like it. It holds its place with all the other. I mean, there's just so many. I don't even know mm -hmm. how many. There's so many. Mm -hmm. So I think that's about right. Yeah. You know, singability is good for me, and it's obviously that's a good one to sing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I like the call and response. I like the, I like Paul and George's. I really like their backing vocals on there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna say that's about right. Yeah, it's a, like I, I love the backing vocals because it's just so like, it's like classic Beatle thing, you mm -hmm. know, that whole just like, kind of response vocal of like, a summation of what the lead vocal just said and like I just love that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's so, I don't, it, I guess quaint. It's quaint. Yeah. But it's nice. I like it. I gotta say, like digging into the song made me appreciate it more. Yeah. Like yeah. really listening to the tracks mm -hmm. and then really reading the lyrics and like analyzing like that. I'm like, oh, it gave me a new appreciation for it. Yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. What you thinking, Julia? I feel good about the placement. don't know why I keep saying your name like Julia. that. Julia. Julia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I've done that twice now. Are you the bird? I'm not the bird today. In Mississippi? That is a deep story that, that is, yeah, we're not gonna... <laughs> no one will understand on this no podcast. No one will understand. <laughs> um, I'll explain it to you, though. <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, no, I feel good about the placement. I, I think it's really good, so it deserves to be, like in the in the top half. Yeah. Um. But there's so much, really great. Yes. And it's really good. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm with so, you. I'm with yeah. you. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Yeah, it's really good. It's not really great. Sure. Okay. I agree. And mm -hmm. honestly, like you know, like we say with so many songs, like you should be so lucky to have this be. You know, your middle of the song. middle yeah. of the pack yeah. for your <laughs> right. for your <laughs> career. Exactly, like a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of people that would, you know, be happy. This to This would have be your this. best song. Yeah, if you were any other band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm good with the placement. I don't know that I would debate you too much on that. Okay, I'll yeah. take that. That's a win. Okay. Mm. Well, we haven't done a double episode in in a dog's age, but this song is so short. It only seemed right to package it in a double episode. Mm -hmm. And um, it also gives us another excuse to hang out with Mary. Yay. Uh, yeah. And not actually be like playing a gig because like, the only times that we get to hang out usually like we're on a stage together working. So We can talk five minutes. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. When I tell you hi and bye and yeah. that's all I get. I just I make sure Julia. you don't trip and yeah. fall over something and yeah, <laughs> then we're exactly. Good. <laughs> that can be disastrous. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's. I haven't done. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm like, how do we transition to a second song? I don't remember. We're just gonna go right I into like it. I feel like we need like a like an intermission, like a do 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 do. And then there we go. <laughs> and then like a uh, like intermission time. Intermission time. Intermissions over time. Like that. I don't 
I like Perfect. it. Go with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a winner. <laughs> well, I like having a guitar handy for these shows now. I might you start do. doing that. Um, let's do it, y'all. Coming in this week at number 102 is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Reprise. <laughs> Back on episode 71, when the idea of the Sgt. Pepper album was first developed, it was Beatles assistant Neil Aspinall who suggested Sgt. Pepper might be kind of the MC of the album. He could come on and introduce the show, then he could come back and wrap up the proceedings as well at the end. It was always Paul's job to bring the show to a close during the Beatles touring days. He's always seen introducing the last song saying, it's time to go home now, it's time for us to go to bed, they hope everyone had a nice time, although they were going out to like meet the ladies in reality they were not going to bed friends um no <laughs> you don't say no what? so what? while writing the main <laughs> while writing the main sergeant pepper's only hearts club band song he also had the intention the band revisit it at the end of an album uh in fact the band revisited months after recording the first version it's actually the last thing that they record as a band for the sergeant pepper album now by this time the beatles have had the run of the abbey road studio 2 altered themselves the entire spring of 1967. They typically had been working on, they typically had been working in sessions on weekdays starting around 6 or 7 p.m., working until 6 or 7 a.m., the power of youth and narcotics at work here. Uh, <laughs> however, by this time, apparently other EMI artists were getting a bit resentful of the lack of availability of the studio. They were unable to get in the studio too on the day they needed it. I'm sorry. The Beatles were unable to get Studio 2 on the day they needed to record this song and were actually scheduled to be in the much larger Studio 1, to which they dutifully showed up on a rare Saturday, itching to finish up the new album. Now, Studio 1 is a much bigger, boomier room, usually used for recording orchestras. So the EMI team used baffle walls to close the Beatles into a smaller room within a room to try to avoid a massive amount of uncontrollable reverb and microphone bleed. Uh, time is also of the essence here because, again, Paul is scheduled to fly to the U.S. the next day to meet up with his girlfriend, Jane Asher, who he hadn't seen in several months. And the band was supposed to turn in the final album during this time as well. I don't think Paul was going to go home and have to pack his suitcase to go to the U.S. I think someone did that for I him. I hate you. I'm just thinking now. Now you got me thinking. Who's packing? Who's Why doing the laundry? So, like, what is happening? Who's this gathering so the toiletries? Ah, uh, don't forget your toothpaste. <laughs> so, <laughs> 
So the band, uh, so the band reported to EMI Studio One on April first, nineteen sixty-seven. It seems energy is at a high on this day, as engineer Jeff Emmerich recalls in his book. Uh, everyone's in really good mood. Uh, everyone's in moves. <laughs> uh, Hold on. <coughs> all right. <clears throat> good. Okay. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. It seems energy was at a high on this day, as engineer Jeff Emmerich recalls. Everyone's in really good moods. The vibes are really good. And the band only needs nine takes to get a backing track for Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Reprise, a much faster, more driving version of the title track in a different key with the lineup of Ringo on drums, George and John on really gnarly electric guitars, and Paul actually on Hammond organ and guide vocal, uh, beating out the tempo at the, on the top of the organ at the start of the track. On to take nine, Paul then overdubs his bass part, as was the norm at this point, and Ringo overdubs tambourine and maracas. Paul, George, and John then overdubbed their vocals as well, and the Beatles' work on the album was thus complete. George Martin and company oversaw the addition of crowd noises during the mixing session for the song, and it was eventually released in June of 67 on the album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, of course. Uh, it was never performed live by the Beatles, but it has been a part of Paul's live set almost nonstop since 1989, usually segueing into the end to wrap up his live show. So, why do I have Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band reprise at 102? So the Beatles have always said that the Sgt. Pepper album is really only a concept album because they tell you that it is. And really, the only thread that exists through the album are the two Sgt. Pepper songs. And while I feel like the initial title track is great, it's exciting, I do love it, as I mentioned in that episode, it's also not much of a song per se, as it is more of a fanfare, and thus I ranked it at 146. Now, I know the intention behind these songs is very specific. It has a purpose, and I don't hold that against either song necessarily. But in my humble opinion, the reprise just smokes the title track. <laughs> I love this song because it's one of the heaviest most rocking moments in this band's catalog. By the time, by, and by this time, you've not heard kind of like the hard, fast, rocking Beatles since maybe mid-1965 when they're doing like I'm Down or the last few covers that they were putting out like Dizzy Miss Lizzie and Bad Boy. They've kind of moved to folkier or more psychedelic stuff, and that early harder rock has been kind of dormant for a while. But holy shit, do they bring it here. Uh, I don't know if it's kind of the energy of the day, Ringo's just really stomping on his drums here. He's just really smashing it. I don't know if it's the way he plays or the sound of being in a different room, but the drums just sound killer on this song, especially in conjunction with the maracas and tambourine overdub. Uh, the groove here, in fact, is so good. It's been sampled by a number of hip-hop tracks, most notably by the Beastie Boys in The Sound of Science on the Paul's Boutique album. Uh, George has also been pretty removed from guitar at this point, spending a lot of time working on his Indian. Uh, George has also been pretty removed from guitar at this point, spending most of his time working on Indian music. But my lord, he just rips here. Uh, his solos are tight, they're exciting, they're memorable. Uh, it's also really impressive. They do these really intricate three part harmonies in this context, just as they did in the slower version of the title track. But on this faster version, they're still just as tight just as on point. There's such a good vibe on the song. You kind of know you're hitting like the big finale. It really sets the scene up well for a day in the life. I also love, as we were discussing earlier, all the ear candy on this song. Uh, from the top, you get this nice little intro count and then kind of like out of like 
one side of your ear, you hear John's little sly voice going by. And then throughout you hear like talking on the mic. Uh, you know, you can't quite tell what it is, but it's something happening there. Uh, and then at the end, there's like this kind of wild, distant Paul screaming thing happening at the end of the song. Uh, it's much more prevalent on the mono mix than on the stereo, but like, it's just another one of those mysteries of like, what are they doing in this room? This sounds so cool. It's drugs. all just, yeah, they're, they're doing, doing drugs. <laughs> pretty much. Uh, it's all just so intriguing and fun. It's a short song, but they pack so much energy and fun into it in ways that they kind of haven't done in a few years by 1967. I think it's one of the best examples of them as like an all out rock band. And for me, it's one of my favorite moments in the whole catalog. Mm. So that's my two cents. Mary, tossing it back to you. <laughs> 102, well, what do you think? So, you know, you can't. I can't talk about the reprise without talking about the original. Yeah. So it's such a departure in that the reprise, it does sound like they just came into the room, they let it all out. Yeah. They were just bashing. There was lots of feelings, like mm-hmm. angry or just let's get this done. Let's rock. Let's rock. Let's just like really just bang it out. Yeah. And honestly, that downbeat of the... The guitar is, reminds me of um, Jimi Hendrix, Foxy's yes. Lady. Yeah. Mm. I was like, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Just don't, don't, don't. Of course, that reminds me of Foxy Lady. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, and this predates, I think, Foxy Lady by a, a couple months, yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. Early 67, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's fun that it's such a departure from the original, which mm-hmm. is just a little psychedelic yeah and it has the beautiful french horn part that is just as important to sing as the melody is yeah. you know dun, 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 dun. Mm-hmm. it's great and my whole introduction to this album this is when i get kicked off of your podcast <laughs> by the way is the movie yeah the bg's movie <laughs> so, i was a huge peter frampton fan yes okay. whatever he appeared in I was there. Yeah. I was on board. I'm on the boat. Anytime he's coming alive, you're coming I'm with. gone. I'm there. <laughs> and I had an iron-on T-shirt with his picture on it mm. that I would wear all the time. Yes. It was either that one or Muhammad Ali when I was a kid. Yes. <laughs> okay. hit, but I love Peter Frampton. So the movie got on my radar before. This is so sacrilegious, but I'm going to say it. The movie <laughs> was on my radar first. Sure. And then, then I... You know, discovered, of course, the the albums. Like, oh, well, this is fantastic because <laughs> the movie was not so fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's great for a kid to watch, and you know, it's, it's colorful, for kids. it's weird. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I was on board. This is great. Steve Martin's in it. Love Steve Martin. Yeah. But okay, getting back to it, um, I loved the original song. Had all those things I love. Like it was very rock opera oriented. Mm-hmm. I love all the parts. Um, it's just huge. Everything, you know, it just takes you somewhere. And then the fact that this is the reprise, that it just sounds, it's so different. It's such a different mood. It's cool that they did that, but it's funny, too, that yeah. this is the second to last song, you know, and the fact that they put it on there. I don't know. It's leaving me with some feelings, and I can't really articulate it. It's good. It's just, it's it's impressive that they could do such different things with the same song. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I like that. I, I think it shows kind of the dexterity and the creativity and the willingness to take things just in, you know, directions that don't necessarily first appear on paper. Like they've got this kind of psychedelic heavy thing. That's not like sludgy, but like it's this kind of yeah. like mid tempo stomper. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what if we just 
crank up the gain on the amps and pick up the tempo a lot and just rip it. And the maracas do that. Right. It moves it really forward. Yes. Like it feels faster than it probably actually is. Yeah. Yeah. They're like masters at combining percussive elements to really move a track. I know. You know? I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. what they did on You're Gonna Lose That Girl with the Bongos. Yes. Yes. So I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a Ringo thing? Does he come in and say, hey, I know how to. You know, I tend to think it's Paul because he does a lot of the percussion overdubs. Oh. Um, and he's got a real specific thing that he does where he, instead of doing a tambourine, just like, you know, like hitting like accent on the two and four, he'll like hold it to weird places and kind of like play around with the accent, which makes it rhythmic in like unexpected ways mm-hmm. and kind of makes you anticipate more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that he's intending to do that, but it's definitely the effect that I get from it. I find myself often kind of like, wondering where he's going with just a tambourine track mm-hmm. <laughs> also i'm a like, huge nerd so <laughs> he plays around with like like i was saying there's a little latin yeah feeling in some of his stuff like that yeah i like that yeah i think it's great mm-hmm. yeah oh well, i'm supposed to talk now julia <laughs> <laughs> what do you think what? my dear um i think it's a really cool way to like bring you into the end of the record um, and sort of like wrap it up. It's like, like you guys were talking about, it feels a little like frantic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like they feel like, um, you know, we're coming into our last song, like let's give it everything we've got. Yeah. Like let's leave it all on the stage or in the studio or wherever we are. Like it's just sort of got that really strong vibe to me of just like everything we have on mm-hmm. the table. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Let's fucking rock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's cool. I, I I'm with you. I like it better than the 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 first. Yeah. Interesting. Just for vibes. Yeah, cuz you know, it it's not so much it's not I feel like I'm doing a disservice when I say it's not a song cuz it is a song. But like it's 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 more a statement of intent at the beginning of the album. Like we are this band, this is this album, this is this journey we're going on, da 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 da. And this is like, we've been this band. We hope you've enjoyed it. One more song. But like, <laughs> it's like, it does this great job of like amping you up for what's next. And because what's next is like this big, epic, amazing, mm-hmm. you know, journey with A Day in the Life. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting that you get kind of like the most, because before this, you've got Good Morning, Good Morning, which is arguably the other heaviest rock moment of the record. Hmm. Um, and then you get this real rocker to kind of like carry you off into the psychedelic abyss of a day in the life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a, one of their best rock moments of the, for the band, you know, like everything about it. I just love guitars sound great. The drums sound freaking amazing. Why is it so low then? Because mm. it, because it, it doesn't have like the emotional weight mm. of a okay. song, you know. It doesn't make you think, you know, oh, who's he talking to? You know, like there's mm-hmm. nothing for that. It's just it's, it's the same reason I, the title track is ranked low, you know. Like, okay, it's a great track. It's a great piece of ear it's candy. A great performance. Yes, it's a great performance. Yes, and that's about it. Did okay. you rate the title track lower than this? I did the title track. Was at one forty six. Okay. Yeah, 
and oh. this is 102. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'll tell you, one of the things I love in the song, it's just a little side note. Tell me all the things you love. The uh, you rhythm, got all these notes. I want to know everything you have on the notes. <laughs> it was this, this one I really need to mention. When they do, when they say, um, Sergeant Pepper's one and only Lonely Hearts yes. Club Band. I can't tell you how much I love that. Yeah. I love the rhythm of it. I like that they just, I love things like that. Yeah. It's unexpected, and it, yeah. and yet it's so natural. You're like, of course. Why would you not sing it like that? <laughs> I wish I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of words. It is. To, like, get in there uh-huh. and have it flow that well. And it does. It's like yeah. it just hits it rhythmically. Just Yeah. Well, and you, you get this beautiful moment of this great couplet of Sergeant Pepper's one and only Lonely Hearts Club band. It's getting very near the end. Like, that's fucking incredible. Like, <laughs> it's so obvious. But you're like, yes, I, you can't not smile about that line. Yeah. It's so good. Like, mm-hmm. it's so stupid, but it's so good. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah. I just feel like th- this is one of those like, great moments. And the other reason I think it's so low is that it's so short. Like, yeah. You can't necessarily have a minute 40 song, like a top four. I, you know, you could, I guess, have a, to- mm. a minute 40 song in your top 40. Is that a hint? No, it's not. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I don't, you, that's part of the reason. It's like, it's just, it's a short little snippet. You know, it's a snack before the it's feast. Before the feast of a day <laughs> a in the day life. life. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I think I would have flip flopped. This one before. I would have put mm. the overture higher. Mm. Oh, okay. You're talking the first one. Yep, and okay. the reprise, reprise lower. Okay, interesting. Mm. Yeah. I know. Well, it's just because I love all the psychedelic and all the symphonic mm-hmm. stuff and sure. the French horn. Yeah. It's like, that's some good little singable parts. Yeah. That's what my ear loves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, love and rock. it's a bit more like theatrical, which is yeah. your that's I your, love the that's rock your stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, I can totally see that that's a little bit more your wheelhouse. Not that you dislike. No, I don't this dislike. One. Yeah. yeah. But, like, like yeah, you just favorite, mm-hmm. favorite, favorite the the OG. Because you also rock, like you, also you know rock. how to and rock. I like dude. the rock. You do like the rock. <laughs> I've seen it. I've heard it. I've watched it. You, you, you do the rock. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. What do you think? One oh two for the reprise. I don't think I have strong feelings enough about it to disagree. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say it's fine. <laughs> That's kind of your mo with this podcast. <laughs> That's not true. You That's have, not true. I have, you have plenty of feelings. Some. You have. I have argued about. You some. take me to task when I deserve it. I like four times have taken you to task. Yeah. I don't know. That's Is that true. right? <laughs> four times more this, than that this season. Oh. <laughs> what do you think? Um. Yeah, you know, you make a strong argument. This is like really good rock and roll. It's straightforward. Yeah. Um. I do like you can feel the whole mood, and it's such a mood shift from the original. From the I'm gonna call it the original, but mm-hmm. you know, it's such a mood shift. So it's maybe the only unadorned rock song that they do in 1967, I where there's like it. not some kind of like horn overdub or psychedelic, you know, thing. Uh, it's like the only like mm-hmm. straight ahead rocker you get until. Do you ever think about like what the, like the day, like you said, they came and they weren't able to get. What their favorite room? Yeah, they usually worked in Studio Two, and so they moved them into Studio One that day. Yeah, and it's like how much did that affect the sound and the mm, mood? Yeah, mm-hmm. I love all that. Yeah, and who who dared 
get the room over right. the Beatles. <laughs> Who the hell are you? And right. have I heard it yet? Right. <laughs> right. You could probably we could probably find out who was in there. I bet you it was like Pink Floyd or somebody. Wow. <laughs> I'd be curious to know. Mm-hmm. That's a good Listeners, question. if you know who was in EMI Studio Two on April first of sixty seven, let me know in the comments. Otherwise I have to Google it myself. <laughs> which I can do. Yeah, were they like in a bad mood about having to go into Studio One and like maybe that made it a little more rocking? Maybe. I don't but know. Probably I mean, not. I, they, they had done other stuff in there like from time to time if they needed to mm-hmm. to do it. I think it was more just like they weren't the ones schlepping their gear into the other room. Like, like we do. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, Mal, go move our shit into Studio, two, studio One, please. Um, I think Aww. it was more like I feel like they were excited because they'd been working on this record since December, and this is the end. Like they're finishing up. They got to do one song. It's a minute fifty song. <laughs> like let's. It's a rocker. Like let's do this. And mm-hmm. they're probably like itching to like. Yeah, we haven't rocked out in a minute. Mm-hmm. Like let's let's do it. Like let's kick this shit and let's kick it in the ass and do it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That's... Can you imagine just like schlepping all of your stuff to a different studio yes. for one song <laughs> that's less than two minutes? Banana pants. Yeah. That's a lot of it effort. Is. Yeah. But that, they didn't do it. So. <laughs> Someone they else did it for yeah. them. It was like the interns yeah. and Mal. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Aw. I have to think there's probably like a sweet old lady who was in charge of the schedule at Abbey Road. I was like, no, I'm not letting you have it today. You've had it enough. <laughs> We're giving it to the Pink Floyds. <laughs> the Pink Floyds. <laughs> You can they finish asked, it in there. They asked very nicely. <laughs> <laughs> they booked this months ago. <laughs> well, that would be really cute. <laughs> I like that story. Yeah, right. yeah. Like I want to know the like the all the people that work. Like, what is the experience of all the like? Okay, we get it, George Martin. Blah blah blah. Like we've heard enough <laughs> about you. Like, tell me about all like the secretary at yeah, you know, like at all Abbey the Road. assistants at Abbey Road, like the all the people that like kept the wheels turning. Yeah. on that place. Like, yeah. what's their story? What was their daily life like? Like, tell me your <laughs> shitty stories about like the guys being bossed had, around. The guys that had to wear lab coats. Have you heard about that? Mm-mm. Like, you've you, you've been you've both been in studios. Like, you just wear whatever you wear to go to to go there. Their engineers had to wear white lab coats. Wow. Yeah. Like until the mid 60s, I think that was like the protocol was like EMI That's engineers wild. wore lab coats. Huh. Yeah. I Did guess they, have... they were easily identifiable. Yeah. They'd have beakers boiling <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Bunsen burners lighting shit on fire. <laughs> I mean, I guess I like, was it because they were working with like tape? I don't know. Does that matter? No, I, I think it was just a, a protocol thing from yeah. long before that no one thought to say, guys, this is outdated and stupid. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until like this time when the Beatles were like showing up in weird, you know, psychedelic clothing and, you know, looking like hippies that things kind of loosened up a bit more for yeah. them, you know? I mean, right. Because they weren't really doing this, they weren't really doing like pop. Yeah. The studio. Like, yeah, they were doing like, a lot classical. of like classical and yeah. jazz and things like that. So like a lot of the producers that worked in house would wear suits and I mean everybody wore suits then. Like that was like you had your day to day suits. Mm-hmm. And they would the engineers would wear lab coats, I guess, over their suits. That's funny. Yeah. I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah. It's very strange. Very formal. 
Yeah. I need to rewatch that uh, Mary McCartney documentary on Abbey Road again. Because I think she talks about that, about that history of that. Hmm. But, yeah. Well, we've done it, gang. Two songs in one episode. We did it. Before we um, wrap up for the day, can I throw some rapid-fire questions Uh-oh. at you? Uh-oh. Oh. Let's do it. All right, all right. Your favorite Beatles song? It, it can be, be of all time, or it oh could be just God. today. That's too hard. Um, hmm. It could be... It could be yesterday. Okay, okay. Interesting. A song without a bass line. <gasps> wow. Yeah. Never noticed that, but yeah. Yeah. Do you play a Rickenbacker bass because of McCartney? No, I had no idea. Really? Okay. Yeah. I went to try basses on, you know, and they has to feel good. And of course, the Fender P basses, you know, yeah. feels wonderful. It's great. But then it was at Todd's Music on, you know, Mary Road. Mm-hmm. And he had a Rickenbacker there. I'm like, oh my God. And that just. The woody sound yeah. and just that one just felt just felt right. It felt right. Yeah. My thought whenever I see someone with a Rick Bacher is like, oh, I bet they're a big Beatle fan. <laughs> like, oh, I get that first all the time. Yeah. 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 Paul played Rick. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, other people do too. Like me. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I think Roxette played Rick and Bacher's too. Roxette. <laughs> um, wow. Right. Throwback. <laughs> Do you have a least favorite Beatles song? Was that Roxette? Hmm. Uh, ooh, I want you out. No, that's uh, oh, Savage Garden, isn't it? Wait, what? How do I, what? Yeah, I don't know where my brain Roxette. is. I don't know. The what? one I sang, I think, was Roxette. Which one was it? I don't want to sing it again. It was really bad. What are the words? It must have been love. That's not heart? No. No. Uh, it must have Roxette? been love, but it's over <laughs> now. While you research Roxette, do you have a least favorite Beatles song? I'm trying to One think like, about oh, that. I just don't like this song. I was right. I was right. <laughs> you know what song I don't like? It's ridiculous. That's okay. Michelle. Sure. Okay. A lot of people don't. I don't know why. Yeah. Something about it. I just don't like it. You just don't like the French, do you? <laughs> maybe, maybe. With that last name of yours. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. That song does get a lot of stick. A lot of people don't like that really? song. Really? Yeah. I feel like I encounter that a lot. Not really a reason. Yeah. Just because. I could see, like, you. one could argue that it's maybe a touch, like, cartoonish. Like, it's very French in its yeah. chord progressions and it, you know, like, and it's yeah. poor pronunciation and, you know, it just kind of sounds like a beret and a cigarette. <laughs> and a baguette. <laughs> and a baguette. <laughs> so, so it's I like a see. little, over, it's like a little campy. It's very, like yeah. It, 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 yeah, it yeah. touches the line of camp. Well, you know, yeah. and I, I don't know if you remember, like, the story about Paul talking about when he was like in art school and like he would be at a party trying to like impress girls and he would you know he'd have on like a black polish or a turtleneck and he'd be sitting in the corner with a cigarette and playing that chord progression and like making up faux french that because he didn't know french (laughs) and that was his way of trying to seem like mysterious Uh and artsy (laughs) yeah that's it it doesn't sound authentic to me yeah i could see that yeah Mm -hmm. fair enough i like it just because it's cute i just think it's Mm -hmm. cute Mm-hmm. Like, it's not brilliant. It's just cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite Beatles album? Jeez, that's tough. It, it might be Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah. Because of the, I like all the psychedelic and the 
orchestra and the big stuff. Yeah. Might be that. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, your favorite memory in which the Beatles are associated. And that could be something where, like, you know, the first time you heard a Beatles song or seen McCartney or, uh, you know, anything in which, like, I was doing X and the Beatles were. Wow. That's a big <laughs> one. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see if my notes can jog my memory. Oh, you were, you meant like insert story here when you said X. I thought you meant like ecstasy. No. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> wow. I was like, wow, why are you trying to get Mary to admit to like intense drug use? We're going to talk about drugs now. Jeez. <laughs> all what it meant. <laughs> I was doing X. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have a lot of cold medicine coursing uh, through my veins. That's more telling about your history. No, it's not. I have to ask you these questions at some point. (laughs) There's just, you know, so when John Lennon was shot, I was almost 16. And what struck me was how much it affected the world. Mm -hmm. That's the first time I saw the world grieve, like to me, in such a big way Mm -hmm. when a celebrity was shot. Mm -hmm. And people took it very personally and were were crying. Mm -hmm. That imprinted me a lot, and I don't remember where I was. I think I was just home. I was in high school, so I remember hearing it, and that's, you know, I thought that was, of course, really sad, and I remember that that was big, and you can't help but notice how it affected the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, then, I mean, the movie, the throughout life, like, what was this, the movie – um, across the universe, I mm-hmm. love that. I mm-hmm. thought that was fantastic. All the music in there was great. That's 2007, so that's like even recent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to say, like my love for the Beatles has been a little bit more recent than other people's. Yeah. So, like to get to play with the Cowsills and knowing that Bob Castle started playing guitar with his brother Billy because of the Beatles. Yeah. And then they started writing songs that were like the Beatles. They loved them. Mm-hmm. And then getting to play with them. And getting these opportunities, I mean, there's an entire Beatles festival that takes place on called on Abbey Abbey Road on the River mm-hmm. in Ohio. Yeah, and everybody plays Beatles songs. And it's like there's no other band that I can think of mm-hmm. that has like a festival just surrounding them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they have multiple festivals surrounding mm-hmm. the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's how they affected me is to, is to see how the fans mm-hmm. who love them how much it affects y'all. Yeah, and look, I, I would consider myself a fan. I don't want to be a nest in them because that's not it. Because yeah. I am a fan. Yeah. But some people just have this expertise about it, and like, I'm still learning about it. You know, so mm. I still like consider myself a student. And so like, when I go, we get to play on these cruises, and we have this guy Scott Freeman will come and talk, deconstruct an album, yeah, deconstructing yeah, yeah. Revolver, and I just talk about the whole all of the tracks on that album and what was going on and how they recorded it where the mics were what they were doing and it, it was just uh, it's fascinating mm-hmm. to get on this journey and and so i feel like it's been a later it's been later in life that i've started to really have an appreciation for what they do and all of the songs they have how prolific the songwriting is yeah. Mm-hmm. oh yeah for and sure. even in like saint john i went um snorkeling and they had a place called octopus's garden <laughs> because when you go yeah. out there Cute. it's so colorful and gorgeous like the cartoons they mm-hmm. used to have yeah just all the colors and they had octopuses like you could see, you, you can't really see the octopuses but you on the ground you can see like a little tentacle sticking out or Aww. something like that huh. so yeah 
Yeah. Um, it's kind of later in life. And then this is really sad. And you haven't kicked me out yet, but this time you might. <laughs> um, the cow sills, we, were play, we, we play in New York probably once a year or something. Mm-hmm. And these people come all the time. They'll come downstairs after the show and like they're in the green room. And I'll meet them and like I'm just clueless because I'm just a clueless Jones. <laughs> well, somebody Great was coming name, downstairs. And y'all really going to kill me. <laughs> somebody was coming downstairs and the bu- room's buzzing, you know, with us, like Bob and Paul and Susan, and they're just, they're talking. They're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, May Pang's here, May Pang's here. And I'm like, who's May Pang? Who's May Pang? <laughs> Clueless. Yeah. <laughs> she comes in, and so, like, I meet her before even knowing who she was. And then, of course, I Google her. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. She's quite a historical figure yeah. here. <laughs> historical yeah. figure. Yeah. And she has a great documentary out right now. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, it's called The Lost Weekend. It's really, really good. We saw a screening of it a few months back. I forget. Yeah. Uh, but super good. I think it's streaming. If you can check oh, it cool. out, you'll enjoy yeah, it. I yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. yeah. So I think like my fanaticism is coming later in life. Yeah. Well, it's a good time too, because like here we are in 2023, and we're still learning things and getting new music. Like it's insane, you know. Like that doesn't happen to many other bands from any time, you know. Yeah. I yeah. think that movie yesterday kind of sums it up. Mm-hmm. Remember how like the whole. The whole point of that movie is how much it their songs affected the world and how the world would have been different had those songs not been here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that. I feel like all the music after that would have just been completely different yeah. had the Beatles not been around. For sure. I mean, they were mm-hmm. such a catalyst for so many people picking up a guitar, you know? Like yeah. From the Cowsills to, you know, the next, you know, your Tom Petty is in the 70s yeah. who saw it on Ed Sullivan. Uh, you know, and onward, you know, even mm-hmm. now it, you can go. Uh, Kurt Cobain, Nirvana. I was about to say Kurt wow. Cobain. Like yeah. even into like you've talked about this before, like Nirvana songs are basically Beatles songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just with like distortion. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually like, this is so funny. I was listening to the radio in the car the other day and oh God, I wish I could remember what song it was, but I listened to it intently, like with that thought in mind. And I was like, Holy crap! You're mm-hmm. right. This is a Beatles song with distortion yeah. and like a slightly aggressive lyrics. Like yeah. it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. wow, yeah, wow. It's so true. Mm-hmm. I had never thought of it that way. Um, and this, oh man, what song was it? I'm gonna remember in like three days in the middle of the rate night. me. It's fine. No. It was no. It was not. <laughs> Please cut that. I'll cut that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so the influence that they've had, and not only on the, you know, the line of musicians to come, but also like the industry, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the technology. Yeah, we're still seeing that like, today. Yeah, I yeah. mean, they're using, you know, Peter Jackson like developed this for them. Is yeah. that true? Yes. Like, is, it was developed for use and get back. Yeah. Um, it's called Machine Assisted Learning, which they call Mal, after the Beatles' assistant, Mal Evans, <laughs> uh, who is a prominent figure in the Get Back documentary. Um, and there's a book coming out about him in November, uh, which is November now. Holy shit. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, that – and that's what they use to, to, to do now and then. And as soon as that is not somewhat proprietary to Apple and the Beatles – and other people are able to use it, that's going to revolutionize what can be done, you know? 
Yeah. So they're still having a part in creating. Yeah. And changing the escape of. Especially for legacy acts. Yeah. You know, like I can only imagine that somewhere on a hard drive or in a drawer, there's a, you know, like a, you know, an eighth inch tape of like a live council show from 68 Mm -hmm. that they could then run through this, isolate each individual vocal and instrument, pull it out, take out the crowd noise and actually mix a (laughs) multi-track record out of something that was just a one track, you know, just a one track tape, you know, like for any legacy act that has that kind of stuff that will eventually become something that they can do Mm -hmm. that otherwise is, you know, just unlistenable, you know, tape now. Amazing. Yeah. I know. It is. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Well, Mary, what do you have coming up? You got any Cowsills dates coming up? Or, yeah, y'all just put a record out. We did. Yeah. Oh. Released last year. Was that last year? I no think it way. was last year. I feel like that Again, was this year. Yeah. All, no. All of my time period yeah. since the pandemic. <laughs> it could be six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it could yeah. be yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was really fun. Yeah. Um, it's all original songs that Bob, Paul, and Susan wrote. And what was fun for me was Bob sent his voice and guitar to us mm-hmm. and said, okay, go ahead and create something. Nice. It was oh, really wow. nice. Yeah. So, like, I really got to, and I really, you know, that's Paul McCartney. I was like, okay, I want to do something with the melody, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of tell where the drums are going to be. But Russ, who plays drums, he um, has he doesn't play, like, he has a very unique ear as well so like you can't rely on him just playing two and four yeah so he's gonna he's gonna do something fun as well but it really got to play off of the melody mm-hmm. and it was came up with some really fun stuff that actually made it onto the album nice i know awesome nice. yeah it felt good it was like okay well let me see what i can do like just from me you know and, and bring it to him expecting and fine with this isn't exactly what i wanted and mm-hmm. you know we're gonna change it. You can just, just do this. And there was one song that he was just like, "No, I just want eighth notes all on the bottom. That's mm. fine." Yeah, and that's the feeling he wanted for the song, just like straightforward. Sure. Um, so it was really fun, nice. and I think a lot of the influence would have had to have been Paul, mm-hmm. you know, with them playing with the melody and yeah. creating like a little bit of a counter melody at times and counter rhythm a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go off too far. Yeah. But it was fun. A really fun project. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. And y'all are out touring, or not regularly touring, but y'all I kind of more... finished all of our gigs for this year. We mm-hmm. and we don't have anything again till um, February, but I'm not going to be able to do it because I'm riding in a per- in a Mardi Gras crew. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So I have to miss like all the New York as a New York gig. Yeah. That's like oh, that's always fun. And yeah. But um, we have cruises coming up. We have back-to-back cruises. We have nice. a 70s cruise and a 60s cruise. Fun. Fun, oh, yeah. fun, fun, fun. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's it for me. Excellent. Otherwise, it's day job central. Yeah. yeah. Which is not half as fun. Half as fun. It's yeah. not fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Agreed. It's not fun. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm glad we finally uh, got to uh, get you on here. And, yeah, thank and, you and guys. This. this is fun. Yeah. It was very fun. Excellent, excellent. Friends, uh, what do y'all think about You're Gonna Lose That Girl at 103 and Sgt. Pepper's Only Hearts Club Band Reprise at 102? Are we too high? Are we too low? Or, just like Baby Bear's Porridge, are we 
Just right. <laughs> I love the way you say it, just just right. <laughs> if I have to. Right? Uh. <laughs> uh, let us know what y'all think on the comments, wherever you follow along. If you're looking for us on social media platforms, you can find us on Facebook at... Ranking the Beatles. You can find us on Instagram at... Ranking the Beatles. And you can find us on Twitter, as long as it still exists, at... Ranking Beatles. Be sure you stop by rankingthebeatles.com. Grab yourself a uh, t-shirt or a sweatshirt or a jumper or a Rank Your Own Beatles poster, which will soon be updated from 223 songs to 224 songs to account for now and then. Uh, so grab you one of those and uh, tell your friends what we're doing. Leave a review on your podcast provider of choice and all that good stuff. Uh, that's all we got. I think we've done it. We're good. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I'm Julia. I'm Mary. And you're Mary. <laughs> yeah. And this is Ranking the Beatles. Adios, y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye.